All right, we're back for the post show. We got some Cybertruck news, I think, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we we had a lot of conversation uh, about Craig today, so let's talk about fraud. And <laughs> let's talk about Sam Bankman Free. Oh, boy. Here, let's drink some of this Oxbow. All right. Oh, where's There's my just going? a oh, little okay. bitty bit left for the three of us, but I mean, it was. Oh, I might be able to give you a little bit more. Right. The, uh, so I don't know if you're, you've been following this. Have you? A little bit. Yeah. Do you know, who, have you ever heard of Sam Bankman-Fried? Yeah. I don't know. Crypto, just, uh, crypto bro. Yeah. He's, uh, it, do you remember when they had that Larry David commercial for FTX in the Super Bowl? Was that last I, year or two I, years ago? Two years ago, I believe. I, I, can't they had a lot recall. of. Do you remember the crypto Super Bowl? Like all the commercials mm-hmm. were crypto stuff. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the year of Sam Bankman Fried's like ascendancy. Uh, Run of the mill, simple scammer. Mm-hmm. Just using crypto as his shtick, mm-hmm. managed to convince people to give him billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. With which he squandered away on just being a degenerate gambler. Like if you read into his the interviews and stuff like that, he talks all about he go he, he gets. But into, he was also gambling at his own casino. Yes, <laughs> but gambling in a, in a way that that is so he. There's so much here; it's hard to get to. Have you? I don't. I, we mentioned this before. There is a a podcast called Search Engine. PJ Voigt does it. He used to do um, search, uh, re, used to do Reply All, and he did a whole series, like a four episode run on called Crypto Island, and it was on all things crypto, mm-hmm. including Crypto Island. But there's a whole episode on Sam Bankman Fried yeah. and how he ran this self-investing Ponzi scheme where he had these different two different coins and one was backed by the other one but he ran them both and you know shit like that I mean like all of the 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 financial weirdness and shittery he did is kind of secondary to to me at least to to what he presented himself as and what he actually What's was the, the something something altruism or whatever effective altruism right he presented himself as this like boy genius son of two Stanford professors who had committed to giving away his entire fortune because that was the most effective way to. Be a charitable person is to make a lot of money and then be a charity. Not the, the idea is how do you, if you go and build somebody one house, you've built somebody one house, but if you make enough money to build 10,000 houses, then you've affected the world a lot more. That's the basic philosophical concept behind it. And there's a lot of holes in it if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, first of all, how many people are you screwing over to get that much money? Uh, and second of all, why is your judgment better than somebody else in terms of where to spend money on? Like, 
this guy proved his judgment to spend money because but look he, at what his judgment has done. I mean, he also had this philosophy of if it can't be summed up in a tweet, it's too long. Yes, he didn't think Shakespeare, he thinks Shakespeare could not have been the best writer because of Bayesian priors, which I won't get into how stupid an argument that is, but that is just magnificently using math in the wrong way. In, in a way that is just like really, really dumb. <laughs> just dumb. He he believed in his philosophy so much. But I would I, I wanna I wanna be clear about this. The the effective altruism was a scam from the start for him. I truly believe, based on what I know about him now, based on the information, that he just used as sort of a cover. His real philosophy was much more based in a gambler's ideal, which is if the bet is worth it, then you go for it. Mm-hmm. He would always be talking about, in the stuff that, that I've seen, and in the, in the trial it came up too, the effect of value. So even if the odds are worse for you, if the value is better, then it might be a better bet. And you can actually, you know, you can do math on this to get to a certain point, but one thing that uh, his sometimes girlfriend co-conspirator said about him was that he would, he had a idea that if you could flip a coin 50-50, that it would either destroy the world or make the world twice as good, he would definitely take that bet. Because he thinks the effect, the the value, the effective value of that is high. I fucking wouldn't take that bet. Would you take no. that bet? But if, if you, so I don't know his thoughts on this, but I thought I heard it tied in. Is if you're living in a simulation, then you take the bet. Like if you think you're, what does that matter? If you think you're living in the simulation, then you want to make it twice as good, and there's like no cost. I don't know how that simulation. The whole simulation thing is. Yeah, I don't want to get into that because we could go for hours on that one too, and we're just running around in circles because that's what that argument ultimately Mm -hmm. is. Yeah, but it's very like early in, in in his career or early in this. In his founding of this uh, FTX, which he, he he started working on Jane Street, where Jane Street is this firm that hires a lot of math kids to do stuff, and in general it's fine because, yeah, you're playing with a lot of money, but it's a lot of money from like, you know, people who are billionaires, and they and like hundred thousand dollars is a big loss if you're talking about customers, but people who have a billion dollars, hundred thousand dollars is fine to gamble. That's nothing. That's mm-hmm. pennies. Right. So it was fine to let kids gamble with that because, yeah, like one in a hundred are going to be huge exponential upgrades. So, yeah, gamble with $100,000 here and there. And he took that really to heart. <laughs> and in later when he did, when he was founding FDX, he, he lost – I forget how many million it was, but it was a huge amount of, of, of millions that was lost. And he told his 
he told the rest of his company, oh, no, it'll come back. Don't worry about it. Um, and the fact that he did that caused a lot of people to quit. But then the people who stayed were really impressed when the, it was found and it came back. And so that was then they're looking at him going forward. Oh, he can't go wrong. Whereas, no, he just took a bet and he mm-hmm. got lucky. Yeah. And he just kept then doubling down. Every time he lost money, he would spend other people's money because he figured eventually it'd be fine because he came from Stanford parents. And if, and if, there wasn't, if it wasn't fine, he could just talk his way out of it. That was his shtick. That he's a fraudster. He took customers' money because he thought he couldn't lose. Mm-hmm. A degenerate gambler. That's all it was. It was. It is simple fraud. What it comes mm-hmm. down to, and you get this illusion of this smart guy, but it's just an illusion. And it's I mean, just he did cloak it in some mumbo jumbo, right? You know, the stable coin, blah, blah, blah. Sure, blah, yeah, but, so. but you put him on the stand, you ask him yeah. direct questions, and he has to try to, to weasel his way out of it, and that's obvious. If you're, you know, with in a partially decent prosecution, and this was a very good prosecution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the government has you dead to rights, you're going to lose. There was, I know he made the bet in his head that the expected value of, of taking the stand in his own trial was high. Mm-hmm. Never take the stand in your own trial. Especially if you did fraud. Some people are so narcissistic, though. They yep. think they know what the, they can just... Jedi mind trick everyone else. It kind of boggles the mind. But the real biggest issue with Sam McAfee is that people, like regular people, fell for it and put money in and lost lots of money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a bunch, you know, billionaires mm-hmm. losing. I mean, it was on the Super Bowl. It must yeah. have been a mm-hmm. real company if they're paying that much money for it. They're, they, they're buying a. a the naming rights to a stadium. They're putting their names on all the umpires and MLB. Mm-hmm. They got to be legit. Yep. And uh, guess what? Crypto is not legit. Crypto is bullshit. Crypto, mm-hmm. you... I know there are people who have made money on it. I get it. It has happened. There are people who have made money on pet rocks. Like, I mean, look. <laughs> people make, make bets sometimes. People make money on jackpots. It can happen. You shouldn't be dreaming about jackpots. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. Like, you know, you, you, you pay a lottery when it gets to a billion dollars. Why not? You, you, you're, you're not going to win. You know you're not going to win. But you play because, I mean, you know, a cosmic miracle could happen. But you don't play it every day. You certainly don't put a lot of your money into it. You just, some people do. Some people do. And they go broke. The yeah. vast majority of those people go broke. Just like if you go to a casino. Yeah, you can hit the jackpot. It can happen. It has happened to people. Probably less but, people than well, have gotten struck you know, by lightning. Yeah. 
for each one person, mm-hmm. 100 or 200 or 1,000 people have to subsidize mm-hmm. that jackpot, right? So yep. You're not very likely to be the person that wins. Nope. So don't, I mean, don't make that bet. <laughs> just don't. That's why I'm not, I, I, I don't like casinos. I just don't like them. I... I don't like them either. If I'm in there, I feel sketchy, and then if I make some money, I'm just pulling out immediately. <laughs> I I recognize that I'm in there to lose money, and if I if I'm on top at all, I'm like, oh, okay, time to go. That's it. Time Game to over. go. Yeah. Doubling down is just not in my like. I don't have the fortitude for 50, it. 50 chance, man. Just <laughs> put it on black. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> it's not because there's that double zero. There's, yeah, there's two not black or red mm-hmm. squares, yeah. Yeah. So 50-50. It's not 50-50. That's oh. how they get you. Yep. House always wins. Yep. Unless you're fucking Sam Bankman freed and you're betting your own money, as you said. You're double dealing. Don't do that. Don't bet your own money. Don't bet your customer. Like, these people didn't pay to be gambled with. You can't do that. That's fraud. Yeah. 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 So, a uh, new table here in the kitchen. Yes. So, mm-hmm. this is one. This is a long time in the making, right? So, this table, I'll just pull it back so you can see the beautiful cherry color on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to post a picture on Discord okay. so people we'll can see it. Um before Shannon and I got this house, like a month before, mm-hmm. we went to Construction Junction. Do you know what Construction Junction is? What's your function? That's yeah. Conjunction Junction. Mm. <laughs> I'm talking about Construction Junction, which is a place here right. in Pittsburgh. It's a nonprofit, but they're uh, they're a reuse, like a recycling reuse place for furniture and for construction materials and things like that. So really good deals there. Okay, so you can get anything from. Toilets to tables to toilets to doors to beams to toilets to tables is a really good slogan. Tiles, bathroom tiles, hinges, door hinges, electrical outlets. I mean, everything. People would just take uh, construction refuse or you know, like old furniture they don't want. Windows. How did I forget windows? Yeah, we got windows at the same time. We got windows at the same time. We got this table. No, so I got this table. It was Windows it was 10 about a month Windows before. When, <laughs> <laughs> Windows eight. <laughs> Windows me. Oh, that that's always that always felt like a like like a, an effect you were having. Like, oh, okay, I'm ready. Windows me. Oh. <laughs> All over my face. Yeah. Um. So it got it was before we even got this place. I was still living up in Cranberry. She was living in you know Granite outside of Keysport. The dark times. Yes, it yeah, was. It the was very dark really times. The dark times. And uh, we went to just from work one day. We went like went to go shopping at construction junction, look around, and they had this table. We paid what fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars for this yes. table. It was rough, right? It was just, and uh, it's been. I took it to my parents' house and kept it in their shed until we closed on this house. Then we moved. We brought it here, but it's been down in the garage, covered over. Uh, just didn't have the shop set up and stuff to refinish it. Had shit piled on it. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, a month ago, I started reworking it and getting it, you know, refinished and whatnot. Got it done. So it's pretty cool. It's really cool. Like, the thing we bought 
for this house. You know, got refinished, and now it's a beautiful table, mm. and paid fifteen bucks for it. Yeah, so. that's that's a good price for this table. And last Sunday, you were at, were you at Bear? Yeah, you were at Sunday, Bear for four. Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, a Sunday, Sunday. Um, I went back to CJ. Mm-hmm. Construction junction with the truck. I was so empowered. <laughs> I went for a stool. For our shop, so that I could do my power carving sitting on a stool instead of standing for 12 hours on my feet. And, um, well, you can't just go in and just get one thing. And I had the truck. And I was so empowered. I was like, yes, I've got the truck. I can buy whatever I want. And I can put it in the back of the truck and I can bring it home and I can do whatever I want with it. And I did. And I came home with some furniture that I am going to take apart. I'm going to start tomorrow, actually. Taking apart. It's antique furniture. Mm-hmm. Some some dressers. They're down in the garage right now. They're really pretty. Um, I sent him some pictures and was like, I, I need to get this. He's like, go for it. Do it. Whatever. He said something like, yeah. Yeah, get it. Uh, I mean, they weren't fifteen dollars pieces of furniture. No, but. they weren't fifteen dollars pieces of furniture, but they were still low enough in the price that once I take them apart and like rehabilitate them, mm-hmm. they yeah, the finish, be... the, especially the, the dresser tops, are fucked oh, right now. God. So they need yeah. some work, but but it's not going to really be that. Hard to do. One thing that's weird about me that in watching all of these different YouTube channels on, you know, these makers' YouTube channels and stuff. Um, Your left and, ear. And, that's weird about you. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then all the reels on Instagram and stuff mm-hmm. is everybody hates to sand. Yeah. Of course. It's the most boring thing in the world. Okay. But I find it very relaxing. I find it to be... You are a unique flower. I am. Yeah. It's There's just something about sanding. It can get tedious. But most of the time when I'm sanding, I'm just like, oh, this is nice. Mm. And it's it's kind of like meditation. Working on the wood lathe is is better than that. Mm. But the sanding part of the of you know the lathe is is really good. But I'm um, way too impatient for that. I am no. I cannot. I I don't have the patience at all. I get bored way too easily. Well, I don't know. I mean, I normally I get that, bored like, really easily. But I have that when I'm cooking. Like when when you're trying to make good cuts of things, it's really easy to get bored and just start not caring. With uh, cooking risotto, where you have to keep feeding it and stirring it and feeding it. <laughs> that, and I'm fine with that. It's that? more like I want to get these onions really mm-hmm. finely diced, and it's like, okay, all right, now I want to julienne these carrots. Oh, the miso boss is the worst part. Yeah, like doing, making sure all your cuts are even, like that takes effort, and 
I've gotten to the point where come the realization that I, I I have to do that quick or else I get too bored and they become real. While we're talking about it, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I don't forget. You have good steel knives? I do, yes. If you want them sharpened, bring them up. I got a good sharpener. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We have a good sharpener now. Cool. I mean, I have a home sharpener, but it, you know, it's a it's a mechanical one. I I played around with this, the doing it on the stone, and it's it's, it's just still a it. wheel, but it's it's made. Yeah. It's a good sharpener. Yeah. So. I'm not good at it, and it would take me a lot of effort to become really yeah, good at bring it. Bring up your knives. Okay, sharpen them up next. I can time. definitely do that. I, I have a knife thing that because, um, like when I go to the Cape, I bring my knives because. The knives that they have on the house suck. And the reason I ask Greg for people listening if they're steel, because if they're ceramic, I can't sharpen right. them. So. Yeah. No, they're Worstoff. Ceramic, ceramic my, cool. my, chef, my, my good chef's knife is a Worstoff. Okay. What are you drinking? It's Pizza, it's a pizza Boy. Oh, okay. I thought you were drinking. No. This so is my Mary. There's Magnum. So, Shannon, you mentioned a truck. You have an F 150, I believe? Yeah. They. They extend a cab and. What about the fucking Cybertruck? Here's a here's a video that I put in the uh, show notes. I didn't see the video. It was in it was in the the Twitter, but is it the one where it got stuck? I think so. Yeah. So the Cybertruck weighs like <laughs> seven thousand pounds. And yeah, so they went out in the desert and did this thing. And someone posted the video of the parts, the bloopers, where the truck got stuck. Mm -hmm. Craig was talking about this earlier today. Craig, everyone's favorite Craig. Mm -hmm. And he said that Ford Ford took the F-150 Lightning. Took the F-150 Lightning on the same course. And, you know, it just kind of had no problems at all. Yeah. (laughs) Of course it didn't. Yeah, the F one fifty Lightning is the electric version. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, basically apples to apples. You can yeah. buy an electric Cybertruck, or you can buy the F one fifty Lightning. So the yeah. other Twitter that I put is that. Did you know that that they released a beer with this? I saw. Yeah, I saw what you posted. That mm-hmm. what? Elon Musk beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess it's a Bach or something. Um, in, it was a hundred fifty bucks for two for for two bottles, and like it was apparently like terrible, and and, and it was rusted. <laughs> the caps were rusted, and it's just like wow, fantastic. This like is, this is the quality. Like you, like you didn't even hire a brewery. Yeah, you, they did. They did. They did work in a brewery, but they. Was it? Or it was like a kitchen? It looks no, like they, they hired a kitchen. There was a brewery. I forget. I read somewhere that they, they, they did work on a brewery on it. But, you know, they, they, they made a, a, ten, a $10 at best beer. Like, you know, a, a six-pack for 10 bucks, <laughs> And they sold it for 150 bucks. And then the, uh, what, the, the uh, Falcon Heavy blew up. Today. Oh, it did? I didn't see that. So I, I wasn't. And, uh, Something happened. They were doing a launch. They called it yeah. a successful mission, but after separation, so the vehicle wasn't damaged, but the booster blew up. Okay, uh, but this, what about the the Starship part? The heavy booster blew mm-hmm. up the launch vehicle. I guess it was Starship that one made it. Starship's to orbit. on top of the heavy. Yeah, I think it made it to orbit. Oh, know. it did. 
They said, well, okay, maybe today? it might have been suborbital. Are you talking they about said it what made, happened today? Yeah, they said it yeah. made it to space. So maybe, I don't know if space means orbital or suborbital. Probably suborbital. Probably, yeah. They would have mentioned it because I don't think it was ever meant to be but, orbital. You know, SpaceX or- is doing their whole spin. Successful mission, you know, uh, uh, an unexpected abrupt disassembly or whatever they call an explosion. Yeah. Um, rapid, rapid unplanned disassembly, yeah, RED. Yeah. 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 Um, but. Was every mission parameter met? I think the booster was supposed to land, and it blew up. So well, the know. booster was supposed to, it's supposed to land softly in the, the ocean. Yeah. Sp- actually, I think this one was supposed to splash down on this yeah. the mm-hmm. Pacific. But yeah. But it, it exploded? Yeah. It went boom. Not surprising. But um, everybody's alive. Did, did it make a it huge... Oh, it was unmanned. Yeah. See, I wasn't paying any attention to it. Oh, it landed. It was on land, did it? No, no, it was unmanned. unmanned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did it make a huge, big? Because the big problem with the last one was it made this huge cloud of dirt that was like oh, on the launch pad. Yeah, yeah. They had uh, some exhaust deflectors that were mm-hmm. water cool. I know very little. Um, but the little I do know is they outfitted the launch pad with some exhaust deflectors that were water-cooled steel. so And that worked? It sounded... Okay. I, I know almost nothing about it, but it sounded like it was a good uh, addition to that. Because they didn't want to build a flame trench. Well, they kind of couldn't. They're doing it in a wetland. Uh, so the, when they did it the first time and there was no flame trench, it's, they have 36 engines on this thing. It's a lot of force mm-hmm. and uh it just blew up the stand it was on because you need to deflect that energy somehow so okay they're doing it with this reverse shower head basically it's a shower head that points up and uh i'm i was curious to see if that worked but i guess the the math behind oh, so the just sound. having the the flowing water absorb the energy like not like the space shuttle yep did well, the space, that was more about acoustic energy. Oh, okay. But this is actually like literally the water is absorbing all that energy, um, which I guess worked. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I think the math is decently sound. But um, a flame trench is probably still better. I used to hold SpaceX in such high respect, and maybe I still should, but just because of Elon Musk's Twitter bullshit, mm-hmm. I almost like find SpaceX like it lost like yeah. so much stock for me. It, it, because I have no respect for it. No, I mean like like SpaceX is is the one thing that he seemed to have done that that legit has kept up. Like the Falcon Nine is a very mature vehicle. Mm-hmm. And they were not the first to come up with the idea of, you know, landing their rockets like that, but they were the first to do it and make it routine. Yeah. Like Blue Origin still hasn't yeah. gone orbital, right? Yeah. And that deserves a lot of props. It really does. It it's not like it was a it's not like it was impossible, clearly. But it was people weren't willing to go through and, and do the engineering necessary to get that to work right, and they decided to do it. Well, at a certain point, it was impossible because no one had the engineering to do it. <laughs> well, and it's impossible at that point. I mean, remember that these these rockets, right? They're intentionally uh, 
especially the Falcon 9, it's essentially a scaffold. It's made of aluminum. It's really light. They fill it up with a bunch of fuel, so it's heavy. But by the time it's, you know, it, it's wasted, mm-hmm. it's got all that fuel down, it's a very, very light thing. I mean, compared to, to what you would think mm-hmm. of for something that tall and made of metal, it's hollow. Mm-hmm. It's empty and it's thin. So that thing is really light. And you've got a little fuel in there. So just the nature of it, it's going to slosh down in gravity and it's going to be pointing mm-hmm. downward. So you have physics helping you. Yeah. Uh, to get that. So all you have to do is just add a little bit more to give you some direction. Well, one of the points you made between Blue Origin and SpaceX a long time ago is they're not just landing the booster. They're landing a booster that boosted the payload to orbital velocities. You know, like... No, it didn't. Oh. The no? second... No. You, second the, okay. the second yes, stage gets it to orbital velocity. No, right. Okay. The booster just gets it... It oh, just okay. gets it that... It, it does the hard part, which is getting you... All right. Uh, getting you off and, and getting you aloft. Because most of most point. of the energy you, you want to put into yourself is not up; it's it's to the side. You want to get yourself a lot of energy going in the direction so you're so up you're going in or downrange. Downrange. You're, you want to get yourself in the direction of the rotation of the Earth. Yeah. Because I thought you told me once, like landing a SpaceX booster is substantially more. Difficult because of the velocities it reaches versus like a Blue Origin, which is just doing a parabolic flight or something. Um, I, I do think that there is more. It's more complicated. Mm-hmm. But I do know that physics is helping you a bit because of just the, the nature of, of, okay. of the way things are working. It's still a problem. But it's a problem that was solvable. And it's a problem that they solved. And it's telling that a lot of the like China and a couple other places are, are going for a very similar design to the Falcon 9. And then, remember the SpaceX was designed to be able to put this satellite constellation in orbit. And the problem is that the Falcon 9 is a pretty, I mean, not just pretty, it is a f- solid, just plain solid platform. That is well understood. But it doesn't have the payload capacity to do what they need for Starlink. Mm-hmm. So they had to make up the Starship thing. And uh, it's kind of crazy. And maybe they'll get there. Maybe they won't. With Elon Musk in charge, especially the way that Twitter broke him, apparently. Like, I don't know that he was necessarily great beforehand. But Twitter clearly destroyed whatever bit of sanity was left there. He did that. Or ketamine. I mean, I, I, I want to blame Twitter just because I think that Twitter... He did it. <laughs> Twitter allows you to it be... Was the Twitter platform before he owned it drove him crazy. I mean... But it, it allows Is you that to what be, drove him crazy? It allows you to be evil to people without having ever any any other way to contact them, and it's it it makes it so simple to be evil to people, um, and that's awful. 
that's that wasn't why I rejected Twitter at first. Remember, because I, I rejected Twitter, then I kind of really enjoyed it, and then that's calm. Then I stopped. I just jumped off Twitter while the show was still, you know, while the first iteration of the show was still going. I was like, no, I'm off Twitter because it just became a cesspool that I wasn't, I did not want to be a part of. Yeah. And now it's even worse. It's so bad. Oh, um, about two weeks ago or so, Gary Frank messaged me. Oh, really? He's so happy that we're back. Oh, cool. And I'm like, happy until you hear the episode where we talk about it. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Hi, Gary. No, it, uh, seriously, uh, Gary, uh, yeah, uh, seems to have forgotten really cool. the whole uh, water under the bridge kind of thing. But yeah, he was psyched that we were I back. Mean, just because we disagree with him politically does not mean that, that, that we disagree with him in any other way. Mm-hmm. So... That's the thing is, is we've made everybody has different views. We've made politics into such an important other. part of life when it shouldn't be. It, we we should understand that people can have different politics and still want the same thing overall, mm-hmm. which is want the best for everybody. They just have different ways of of thinking that they can achieve it. It's not people who with different politics are not evil. There are different people with different politics than you that are evil, but that doesn't mean deep that all people with different politics are evil. I think once you once you you know absorb that, then all of these social media things get harder to to deal with because everyone leads with their politics these days, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Because in some sense, you feel like. You have to because communities gatekeep by poli- by by how by what your policies are by, by what your politics are, and they shouldn't, but they do. All of them, us included, we shouldn't, but we do. Yeah, it's part of the culture now, and it sucks. I think that it's a le- it's a part of culture that I can legitimately say sucks, as opposed to me being. Somebody who's like, oh, I'm you know nearing fifty, and I don't like the the music the kids are doing. That I recognize well, as me are, just being an old fucking curmudgeonly blowhard. So, <laughs> I I like to think that I don't fit into that anymore <laughs> because that's not me anymore. Like mm-hmm. that is me when it comes to dramatic presentation of things on the, the, that I watch. Like I'm very particular about that, but. I also am not going to like, I'm not going to shit on the Big Bang Theory anymore. People mm-hmm. love it for a good reason. So tonight you had a very cool experience. Um, we're at the the blacksmithing thing. Greg's making bottle openers. He's a little bit out of his element. He's not making things with his hands very often. Mm-hmm. Or and then one of the guys in the class asks Craig, the host, like, why does metal glow? Like, what makes it glow red? And, and Craig wasn't totally sure. And Craig's like, hold my beer. <laughs> like I, I got that. This is my wheelhouse. And yeah, so I explained to them black body uh, radiation. And uh, I don't know if I did a great job of it, but I was People really excited. People were into it. it. Yeah. People were gathering around you. Mm-hmm. You you missed like the last step of your bottle openers because you were busy going on. I was talking to Julie about mm-hmm. uh, a different stuff we were talking no, it's totally yeah. cool i'm glad you have made a connection you know and you know 
I'm sure it felt good to be like valued in this. Like, I mean, it felt good to be like, oh, somebody else cares about this shit like I do. You're in a (laughs) workshop. You weren't expecting to talk about quantum physics. Mm -mm. And guess what? But yeah, no, like, if you want to know why it lights up, I know exactly why it does. Give our listeners a quick reason. So you put metal in a furnace, and when it hits like seventeen hundred degrees, it glows red. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, thing the first thing to recognize that everything glows. That's that's the first thing that that you need to understand. Everything glows. Everything glows. Everything. Am I glowing? You are glowing. You just can't see it. I can go get my IR camera from downstairs (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you want to see it. Yeah, we. If you have an infrared camera, you can definitely see it. I'm sure you've seen the the. Mm-hmm. The pictures that just mm-hmm. show up, because yeah, relative to your surroundings, you're pretty, you're pretty hot, you're glowing. But you're, but <laughs> I'm you're not giving sure off. If I'm supposed to take that as a compliment. <laughs> well, we, all, we, we all are <laughs> relative to your surroundings. Yeah. like you, relative me, and Shannon. She's relatively hot. You're okay. pretty hot. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it, it is I true in many ways. <laughs> I need an improved whiskey cocktail, please. You're drinking the magnanimous. You'll be but, good. you know, on the same level, so is this computer. <laughs> that that's makes me great. feel so much better. You just need to stop talking. <laughs> anyway, late. so you're giving off light your eyes can't see. Uh-huh. You're giving off light that is visible in other wavelengths that your eyes aren't adapted to see. Mm-hmm. And the thing about temperature... That's really interesting is as things get hotter, they start to give out more of this because they're trying to get rid of this energy. So I'm so hot. I'm trying to get rid of. You are constantly trying to become an (laughs) equilibrium with your surroundings, but you're too hot. I see. You're too hot to be in equilibrium with your surroundings. So, But you also have to stay warm to stay alive. So it's a battle of nature. Oh, I see. So energy is flowing out of you, and you need to eat and consume in order to keep that energy going on in you. Mm-hmm. But we can do this artificially by heating things up indirectly mm-hmm. or directly. And they will start to emit higher and higher wavelengths of energy. There's a quantum mechanical reason for this. This is Planck's law, but basically the idea is that we have something called black body radiation. So everything is a radiator in some sense, it radiates, but a perfect black body in physics is something that does not reflect any light. It only radiates. So the most perfect black body, do you know what the most perfect black body in the solar system is? No. Beyonce. Nope. No, it's not. <laughs> Beyonce reflects light. That's why. <laughs> That's why you can see her. But there are things that uh, don't reflect light. They emit light. And the biggest black body in the, in the solar system is also the biggest object in the solar system. It's the sun. Put it back out. The sun basically doesn't reflect light. It only radiates light. It radiates light at a particular temperature. It gets really, really hot. 6,000 Kelvin, something like that. So before we get too far, like I said, I want to ask this question. I don't want to lose it. The sun doesn't reflect light mm-hmm. because of its structure. 
It or, does reflect a tiny bit of light. But most of the light that hits it is absorbed. Yeah. Because of its material, its structure. It's just, it's, it's not a good reflector. <laughs> it just isn't, it, it doesn't have the properties that a good reflector would have. It's mostly an emitter. Uh, a good reflector is, uh, in, in many cases, a decent conductor. Um, silver is a very good reflector, for example. Uh, copper is a decent reflector. But that gets into more mm-hmm. physics-y okay. uh, electron stuff than you need to really consider. But essentially, just think that the sun emits way more light than it reflects. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, that that's clear. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of surprised that it doesn't reflect light. It does a little bit. It's not a perfect black body. Mm-hmm. A perfect black body would, no, would not reflect any light. But the closest thing to a perfect black body in the solar system is the sun. So as things start to get hotter, they start to send off more radiation. They start to try to get in equilibrium with their surroundings. But as they're hotter, they got to release more energy because that's what heat is. It's energy. It's things moving around. So the things that are moving around are kind of stuck in the structure of this big piece of iron here. So they don't have enough energy to get boiled off. But they have enough energy to move around enough to wiggle in the right way. They're going to create electromagnetic energy. And that is going to be flowing off of this. First in invisible rays, but as you get more and more hot, in, in, in things that are visible by our eyes. In general, we... Our eyes are sort of fixed to seeing things that are about the right temperature as uh, the sun. I wonder why that is. Hmm. We, uh, we tend to be able to see things that are very, very close to the, the right way, wavelength of things that are reflected right. on Earth. Not the temperature of the sun, but things that reflect the wavelengths of light that come off yeah. the sun. Yeah. Fascinating. And, and infrared doesn't really get to us from the sun. Like, I mean, things heat up. The sun yeah, absolutely does, heats yeah. things up. But not to the point where our, our eyes are more tuned to things that are, yeah, like reflecting stuff in daylight. Whereas there are some animals who have come up with ways to, it's like let's 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 be clear. You have ways to feel things that are hot, even though they are not glowing hot. Right. You put your hand near something that is really hot but not glowing, you can definitely feel it. Right. You don't see it visually; you feel it. There are creatures that have developed things to augment. As we understand it, their visual perception mm-hmm. with this heat sensitivity in crazy ways. Biology has I done mean, really reptiles cool Reptiles have a different organ mm-hmm. that do it. They don't do it with their eyes. Yep. Did you see the recent Veritasium where they did the night vision goggles stuff? Yes, I did. That was really wild. I didn't know enough about 
military night vision. Mm-hmm. You know how that worked? That was really cool. I mean, I do know that I have like uh, the cameras I have have IR lights on them, and and they're sent, and so they see the IR that's reflected at the relatively high energy IR. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those the military ones are the passive, analog, yeah, passive. They do this crazy thing where they start an electron cascade through. Some I mean, that's layers. just that's just that was stuff that that. That's a photo multiplier. That's thing that, yeah. that, that's used in physics for a long time. They just were able to get them really tiny and, and into really, you know, uh, in, in, into efficient methods. Uh, it runs on 1.5 volts on AAA, AA yeah. battery. I yeah. was shocked that, like, the best night vision out there runs on, like, one battery. I mean, you you understand when you hear that, oh, that's why it costs $4,000 to get real night vision goggles. And, yeah. and the cheap ones are like 200 bucks, but they're just an IR camera. Yeah. And you get a delay mm-hmm. because it's good through processing. Yeah. So if you wanted to get really cool IR vision like the military, you best join the military <laughs> or... Well, even on the military stuff, the infrared stuff wasn't as good mm-hmm. as the light amplification stuff. Yeah. The really good light ampl- amplification stuff was crazy. And that was just stuff they were showing veritasium, yeah. which means they have at least a generation, if not two, but like, better. That's how, like, particle accelerators, you know, the, the, the first ones, and I'm sure like the most recent ones are much better technology, but the idea is you would receive a little bit of energy and then you, you get a photo multiplier that would then multiply that energy enough for you to be able to actually then sense it on your equipment. So the idea is, is the same. It's a multiplier of photons, but it's just done in a, in a more compressed way than a particle accelerator, which requires a lot of energy and uh, a lot of, um, it's just a lot, just a lot of a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't, there, there's lots I could talk about, like, there's a whole thing happening on the other side of the world that is very, um, it's very hard for me to talk about for lots of reasons. Oh, you mean in the Middle East? Yes. I bet. Because there are dimensions... That I feel that most people don't. As someone who grew up in a Jewish family, I like I mentioned before, I don't consider myself Jewish. I don't believe in that. I don't even culturally consider myself Jewish. But as my parents have made myself made me very well aware of, that doesn't matter to the people who hate Jews. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit that I don't consider myself Jewish. I'm Jewish to them. Right. So when there's a lot of very obvious anti-Semitism, it affects me in a way that it probably doesn't affect most other people. Mm-hmm. When there's a lot of Jewish people supporting a country that is doing things that are pretty bad you feel that more 
Especially when it's something that you don't support, but you feel like it's just drawing attention <laughs> to certain things. What, what's, what's, what's the thing I read that, like, there's a... The arc of conspiracy is, is short and it leans towards Jews. Whenever somebody comes up with a conspiracy theory, the first people, the first thing that the people think is Jews are doing it. And it's it gets a lot easier to do that when there's a Jewish country doing some horrible shit. It's not to say that these people weren't provoked. They were. There was a provocation that happened. And there's also an understanding that is part of the culture, which is the world tried to destroy you before. And if somebody is going to do that again, fight. 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 It's it's hard to explain that to some culture that hasn't gone through that. Mm-hmm. I remember at uh, my last... So, can I ask a question? Please. Settlements. They seem wrong. I agree. What's the... In settlements, for people who might not be paying attention, Israel seems to have a habit of encroaching on Palestine space and displacing the Muslims and building neighborhoods mm-hmm. and moving Jews into there is, is Israelis into there and it seems like they're just being bullies and taking more space and what's do you can you come up with what it, or explain to me the why that's okay no. argument no I do not have a justification for that do you know is there one? Like, if you had to parrot one you don't believe in, is there a justification? I don't know. I'm just asking. No, I mean, the only... How did we get into... So I walked away and yeah, I don't even know how you're all we... munchies and... I was... <laughs> We're talking about... How did we get out into the subject? Well, I, I brought it up. Okay. I brought it up because there's a thing going on in the world yeah, that no, is a... hard to not pay attention to. Absolutely. And it is affecting my state of mind. Absolutely. I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he made a really good point. I, I mean, I my very close family mm-hmm. is being affected by this, too. I mean, um, Greg made the point. I'm going to make sure you hear it. But you might have heard it. It's like he doesn't consider himself Jewish, but by blood, by heritage, people who don't like Jews... Sees a Jew right there. You know, that kind of thing. So it does affect him. Yeah. So, what I believe... I'm trying to steel man the position as best I can. It's something I don't believe in. I don't agree with. I think the position that is that the Israeli government has is... Trying to figure out some way of putting this. There. I'm glad you're having a hard time with it because, to me, and it's it's a small view, but it's like that's a huge part of the problem right now. Is like stop settlements. Yeah. Like I, I think that part of the, so 
Israelis really think we tried peace and it didn't work. We they came close to an agreement in the Oslo Accords and then it was rejected. And so there's a feeling that they just don't want peace. So we want to expand. This is land that isn't being used, or maybe this land that is being used, but it's valuable land. It's land that we technically control because they want it in a war Mm -hmm. that was fought, that was not originally Israeli land, but then there was a war that was fought as soon as Israel was founded. And this land was won in that war. Six countries attacked, and, and Israel, you know, pushed back and, mm-hmm. and won this land. So there's a feeling that this land is theirs now, and the claims that are there from other people are just attempts to. To get the Jews out, and that's all it's about. So that's the best way I can steal man in that position. It's not one I agree with, mm-hmm. but it is, I think, what what the feeling is behind it. Do you ever think there's going to be peace? Not now. There. I mean, not. I mean, I, not. I mean, ever. When everyone's dead. Because there's, for as long as I can remember, there's never really been peace there. There's too little trust for anything right now. Um, What I've, like, this whole thing where where Israel invaded a hospital, this is the most recent thing. Mm -hmm. And my feeling was there better be tons of of evidence Mm -hmm. of Hamas shit going down there. And so far, there is not. No. And so this is a big setback yeah. for for Israel. Um, and a big setback for this whole operation. Yeah, because babies dying. You ha- yes, you have to justify that shit you're doing by saying that you're in greater danger. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, these are... Creamy babies in NICUs that are dying. And you are killing a lot more people than, like, again, you were just, you were attacked, and it's scary in in a way that is hard to imagine. Although, as Americans, we have some sort of of shared imagination because of 9-11 as the same sort of similar cultural scar. I don't have an imagination of a rocket landing in my backyard. You know, like, to me, I, like, I can't comprehend. No, no, the, 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 the imagination is not the, the specifics. It's about your illusion of safety being punctured. It's, I don't think we have any comprehension of what they're going through. No, I, I, but I'm just trying to give it the, the closest thing I can come to. Which I think is a really mild... I mean, no, it scarred America. It's, it scarred, it scarred America, the American conscience. but it didn't land in our backyard, and like literally your backyard. It landed in New York City. 
you know? You know yes, um, but but I was fearful of, of shit for over a year. Yeah. That this would sure. happen to, you know, that, that something like this would happen to me. This was, you know, the, the idea that this, that this even could happen was so preposterous that when it did happen, it shocked the system. And it's still a scar that remains on the American psyche today. And I think that's the closest I can come to the kind of shock that this Hamas raid did on Israel. Because there were people that were just like killed in very barbaric ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, people of Israel were basically given a guarantee that this would not be able to happen. And all of that was shown to be an illusion, and now Israel Israelis are extremely scared. And I remember that there was a quote that Biden quoted from Golda Meir, who used to be the was one time the premier of Israel. She said that the reason why we fight so hard is because we have no place else to go. There's a real cultural belief in that that there's nowhere else. This is it. This is the final line. If you know, and and Hamas, their philosophy that they pronounce to the world, and they've they've lightened it a bit, but their philosophy that that, that Israel understands is kill all the Jews. So when they were attacked like this by what they believe is a is a is a People that just want to kill them all. They come back with, all right, well, then we're just going to kill all of you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a good way to, to approach the problem. So, But I can't speak for the people who are there who are living it. Pretty ignorant question. When Israel was founded... Where did the immigrants come from? A lot probably came from Europe. Mm-hmm. Was there a lot from the United States too? No, or no, no. The vast majority were from Europe. Okay, uh, but there were there were Jews who lived there. But they, you know, there were Jews. There's a diaspora of Jews you know, around the world. Um, but I think the the vast majority were Anaskazi Jews who were Jews in Europe. Um, and there were people who were pushed out of their homes, who lived in these homes. You know, this was British territory. It was hilarious. And the British said, okay, we're making a new state, and we're pushing people out of their homes and mm-hmm. giving this. And, and so people legitimately, you know, they had homes that they they lived there for a long time, and they want to go back. Um, and... Like we recognize in the United States, we did that to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and uh, we're not giving them land back. We just give them reservations, right? And, and land uh, acknowledgments now. Sure, but we're not like saying, "Oh, you get the you know you get Manhattan back." Mm-hmm. That's way too valuable for us. No, no, you no. get this North this Dakota. land that no one's using. That is just empty. And there's no important rivers there. You know, there's no... Nothing of value. There's not a value there. Mm -hmm. 
go, you know, figure it out here. I've been listening to a podcast that's really good, Stuff the British Stole. <laughs> They're in the third season. It was a another podcast that I've been listening to, 99% Invisible. They featured him in one mm-hmm. And it's it's a really good podcast because it it's not just like straight up like first level this, right? It gets into like the deeper meaning of things and stuff like that. Really good. I've just finished up all three seasons of Stuff the British Stole. And uh, haven't got into the Israeli state or anything like that. But lots of other things um, like uh, the Maori, Maui, Maori people in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I'll think about what the, the partitioning that happened with the India and Pakistan. There was some Indian stuff, yeah. They, um, <clears throat> there was some... Like the the use of zero as a decimal separate, like a decimal point place type thing, mm-hmm. like as it was established in these documents in India, which India, yeah, and like the, the India wants it, wanted it back, but actually the place where the documents were were now Pakistan. So does India really get it? You know, like it gets in a whole whole thing there, but. Um, it's really good. I would recommend checking out. It's it's from the um, Australian Broadcasting Company. Company is who puts it on. But so, you know, I have my parents are huge Israel supporters. They were just recently in Israel. They are very strongly pro-Israel. My sister very much on the other side. Like me. Um, but understanding of the... Alexa, we got pushed minutes. into our heads enough. 30 minutes, starting now. However, one thing that I've tried to express to my parents that never really got through for some reason. My parents were very, very adamant when we were young about... I mean, they... They experienced, they're boomers, they experienced the Holocaust secondhand. They they weren't alive during it, but they were alive in the, very much the aftermath and, and you know when a lot of it came out and mm-hmm. it's very powerful. One of the things that, that was very important that they nailed into us in Hebrew school was never again. The phrase never again. Mm-hmm. I took that to mean, and I was taught by the teachers in, in this, the, the Hebrew school they went to, that that doesn't mean never again for Jews. That means never again for anybody. My parents very much think of it as never again for Jews. So when I have come back to them with the never again, that doesn't work on them. So it's a weird disconnect. Because to me, never again legit means never, never, never again. So I have this thing where it's like I just don't. I try not to talk to my parents about that, and when if it comes up, I try to give them a lot of latitude because I, otherwise, I'm just going to get angry and upset. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't help anything. I'm not going to convince them of anything. They've come to their mind a while ago, and they don't—they aren't going to listen 
to somebody who has compassion because they don't have it anymore. Yeah. And it's sad. But that's life. World's a fucked up place. You 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 get joy when you can. Savor it. Savor like it. we did these beers. When you when you can drink a beer that's as awesome as some of the beers we had tonight. Like the Oxbow. When you can create a blacksmithing abomination like this <laughs> that I'm holding in my hand because what the hell why not that's if life is pain then there's some pain that's good there's some pain that's worth living and uh, you, we get the chance to experience go for it take your opportunities mm-hmm. When Jeff offered it, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I, I didn't <laughs> think you'd be interested. I was surprised when you said yes. So I'm really happy that you came. It's something new to learn, something new to try, something that if I mess up, ain't going to hurt anybody. If I pay attention, I'm not going to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sure. Get a free lesson in something that's cool that I would never do. Now you know you'll never do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was pretty convinced before, but uh, you know, now I have real empirical confirmation. This is not for me. Uh, I'm happy to to let somebody else go scrounging for anvils and perhaps make a lot of money doing it. But also, <laughs> also be really into collecting a lot of vans and fixing them up. And it's like, okay, I mean, you, you're trying to convince us to, like, become peddlers of anvils for some reason. Whereas, like, I'm just happy to let you do it and let you enjoy the, the proceeds. He's the cult leader. You didn't know that? It, it is very obvious after being with him for a little bit of time that, yeah, that, that's the energy he gives off for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, seems like, he, he seems like a fine, you know, likable guy. Probably not a guy that uh, I'm going to have a lot in common with. But decent fun. To be around in in the right occasion, yeah. I'm probably not going to agree to be driving his vans down somewhere. <laughs> That's just not hitting me. But you know, I'm glad that you were able to do it. I had so much fun driving that van. Yeah. I don't. Driving is tedious to me, so it's the same tedium. Well, that sanding is. That whole saying of stopping and smelling the roses. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it was a perfect... It, everything about that day was perfect. Oh, great. Because it was a beautiful, perfect day. The temperature, I don't know, 65, 70 degrees. I don't even remember, but I know the sun was shining. Mm-hmm. And the leaves were peaking. So... And and we couldn't take highways. We had to take back roads all the way. 
So you're driving through this farm country, you know, up and down all these hills, around these curves, through these tunnels, over these bridges, under these bridges, and everything else, and through farmland and Amish country and all of this. And you, you're not driving, you're, you're not going 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You can't. You, you can't. <laughs> Couldn't and, if you wanted to. And you're just enjoying the moment, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what I got out of that day. Like, I mean, it was it was fun driving because I started driving when I was 13. I was mm-hmm. driving a VW Bug, which was ultimately it ended up it was my first vehicle was a VW Bug. But I started I learned how to drive on a VW Bug when I was 13 years old. And, um, you know, to to drive a VW. Sure. You know, van I mean, again at, at my age now, all these years later, and I'm not going to tell you how many years. <clears throat> but I mean, it was it was just really nostalgic. And then to add the, you know, the view, the the sure. beauty of it all. You know, it was just it was it was a really nice day, and we weren't rushed to get anywhere at any certain time. Although we wanted to try to get back to Pittsburgh before dark. Um, that was the only thing that, mm-hmm. you know, was our goal. Other than that, it was just driving and just getting to where we needed to go and taking in everything as we were going. So, yeah, it was beautiful. It was fun. So I hate driving. I like that you can get to places by driving, and that's awesome. I find driving tedious and very, very. <laughs> I, as as someone with you know pretty severe ADD, uh, it 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 it's very, it occupies my mind when it's happening, and and when I'd rather be doing other things. Um, and. So that's why I really like my car right now, because if I get onto a highway, it'll basically drive itself. That's really yeah. nice. Oh, that's great. Um, I still am a person who I don't like to drive any. If I like, I don't like to drive more than an hour. Definitely don't like to drive any more than four hours. That's kind of like my limit, maybe five. Um, it just is. It, it, it hurts my brain somehow to do it a lot. Uh, and I, I don't really have a good explanation for why. I, I've never been into cars. I have friends who are car people who are super into like watching car shows and how great their cars are and their engines are, and I don't give two shits. I just want a car <laughs> that will get me from one place to another in the most comfortable way that I can be. So... To me, it sounds like when you say that, I'm like, okay, what's my equivalent of that? And that would be somebody who's like, I have all these really old game systems, let's say. Mm-hmm. I have a ColecoVision and television. Like, you want to check all these out? I'd be like, hell yes. I want to see what all these do. I want to see what the ZX80 will do. I want to see... What you have for the Amiga, 
Like, I want to see all that shit. Mm-hmm. That's like, yes, that to me is, I want to see like where games were and how far games have come, how, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily want to get into the technical details of, of all the consoles, but I do want to like check them all out and see what they did, see how they did certain things. Uh, that is like that's the nostalgia that that hits me on that level. So I get it. I totally get it. But last year when I offered like we should go down to PA Pinball. And play these retro video games. I don't want to do it for a long time. You're like, <laughs> okay. Like I, I, I'll get bored of that pretty quickly unless you have like a lot of different things. Um, I still think we should take her to PA Pinball and just see if he likes it. Or not. I think so too. But you know, I did mention to you that the thing that would be more fun to me in my mind would be either if we go. Into the you know those, those golfing you know like the the indoor putt putt things or okay or uh, I love escape rooms. You introduced me to them. I can't do escape rooms. You They're so think, much fun. You don't think you can do escape rooms? No, I know I can't. How do you know? Because I'm way too claustrophobic. I'm not claustrophobic. You're not. They, you, you don't. I, so you you're don't not going to be able to convince me of that. You're. This is the size of an escape room. Are you claustrophobic right now? I can get out. I know. So how, you there's can get out two of the exits out of too. You Three, just say, actually. I'm freaking out. I'm walking out that door. But if you go out that door and you're trying to win the game, you don't win the game. You're not going to be able to convince me. It's not going to happen. Well, anyway, I love escape rooms because I love working with other people to solve problems. I, I love that. That's so much fun for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I loved the game Pandemic until it became kind of gauche. <laughs> <laughs> because you're working with other people to solve the it's, problem. I still like that game. We mm-hmm. should play it. It's been really hard to play it after yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. No, we're just going to have to change uh, terminology. No, like, you know, we're always like, oh, that's norovirus. Or like, norovirus. Well, that's COVID now. <laughs> I mean, the China also virus. the simple game mechanics of pandemic didn't really... Didn't, didn't really <laughs> Come true with regards to COVID, so it runs uh, away from you fast. Like yeah, that, though, that's for yes, sure. that's true. But I love the, I love working with other people um, to, to to do something. I I loved being in that. I, I I would volunteer for that reptile sanctuary if that was close. That that'd be cool to be just you know feeding these turtles and. Tori knows a guy, a guy Nate who runs Nate yeah. Reptile. I don't you know. Could help I, out a lot. I don't know if it's a good place or if it's like some slime ball who mm-hmm. just can't get enough reptiles, using it as a cover right, to get more reptiles. Yeah. I don't know. You could talk to Tori, but if you wanted to volunteer, she probably could point you. If any place in town's worth volunteering at, she would know. Right? I mean, you would totally know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I have, have had a lot of good experiences with, with the few reptiles that I've been in contact with. Uh, and I've actually, so it's funny because I got home and, um, from, from Arizona and I was like, I'm going to play a little bit with, with Fermi. And Fermi got real mad at me and bite and bit me a couple times. <laughs> was not into it. So uh, I have embarked on the the next step of his 
re-education, which is, okay, I'm going to hold you every day for 15 minutes. <laughs> and we're going to go through this, and you're going to get desensitized to this. So far, it's going very well. Good. He's, he's, a, uh, he's an explorer, and I got to appreciate that. Um, because he's not, he's not one to sit around and just sit on, sit on me and just hang out. No, he wants to explore everywhere. And so he's going to get in tangles and stuff. I, I made the mistake of having, uh, a fan out. It was not a running fan. It was not even plugged in, but he went inside. of it. <laughs> You're like, I can't get him. Like, oh, okay. So I just put it in his enclosure, closed it, waited till he came out completely and just took it out. Uh, is he squeezed himself in there? He was real happy to just sort of sit in there. He's like, like, fuck you, Greg. He's like, all right. Noted. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but he has been very, when I, when I do this, he's, he's gotten, I think, used to it in the sense that, okay, this is happening. Uh, I'm not scared. It was very clear when I picked him up the fir- that first time when he got really bitey. He was really hanging on real tightly. He was scared. That's why he bit me. Uh, and so I try to grab him before he really has a chance to get scared and sort of them be very not grabbing in any way and just be open and, and just <coughs> treadmill him and be like, okay. Just explore. Keep that, keep him in the sense of, all right, I'm not in danger. So let's see what's out here, as opposed to the sense of, holy fuck, what's happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm, this, this gigantic. Like it's got to be frustrating to the snake. Though. You'd think so, but this is not a very, I mean, it's, an, it's more intelligent mm-hmm. than Penrose. It's more intelligent than my leopard gecko, but he's not like, they're not. Thinking, they're not frustrated mm-hmm. by this. This is this doesn't it doesn't seem that this frustrates them. At least with the the few snakes I've encountered, it does not seem the treadmilling actually frustrates them. They just feel like they're they're progressing. They're progressing. Making- they don't seem to care that wait a minute, this isn't working right. They feel like they're progressing. They're not being restricted, so they're not mm-hmm. feeling that they're in danger. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. The same way they don't have the emotional connection level, and they also don't seem to have that. This is getting tedious. <laughs> Why isn't this working? Like mm-hmm. connection yeah. level. No, they 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 put in emotion. They get the right feedback. Mm-hmm. All's good. Yeah. Keep doing that. I've been watching this guy from New England Reptiles who's you know, talking about how you have to sort of watch them and understand that they, they go through these sort of phases and, and you want them to they're, – they're observing and they're going to download it into their brain and then they're going to look at that information. They, they, don't, they don't do it at the same time. And so you sort of wait for them to get this it, – it really seems to be – very much tied to their tongue motion when they like do a large tongue motion or, or if it's a lizard, they sort of lick around the side and that's when you can tell, okay, they're downloading it into their brain. What's just happened. And they're going to now have a different understanding of the situation than it was before. If you've presented them with a different 
understanding the situation. So, like, they are in, like, react mode and then observe, download, and then they're, they can be in a different sort of react mode. They don't do it at the same time like we do. At least that's the way that he interprets his interactions. And, and once I sort of got into that frame of mind, I understood more about what it, it felt like, at least. I understood more about how Fermi was acting. And even how Penrose was acting in certain cases. They sort of, they get into modes and then they they aren't thinking about what they're doing. They'll think about what they're doing when they have a chance to to analyze, but they're not, but in the moment, they're not thinking about it. Gotcha. Be good? I think so. Think good. All right. Thanks, everyone, for the post show. We enjoyed it. What? You got something to say? No. Say it. You got something to say? Say it. No. Yeah, I got something to no. say. it. You got a new topic. Let's go. Nothing Let's to say. Go. You don't talk about it. I'm going to make something, but we'll have a. Oh, yeah. You want to have another giveaway? Show. Yeah, we'll do the giveaway on the next show. All right. Well, teaser. Any. any progress with regards to the oh i just thought about like literally yesterday <laughs> i'm like yeah no so i'll get the parts i'll get you the prices and stuff yep. cool so you want the elevator and you wanted something else I, oh you want me to put together the oscilloscope no 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 that, that's fine i don't care about that um just i want the levitator we, yeah. the other thing we talked about was was the piezoelectric uh oh cloud chamber cloud chamber but that yeah, that's probably not. And you want me to put together the oscilloscope? I don't know. I, I gave you the stuff for the oscilloscope. I don't really want one. I don't know what I'd do with one. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was working on a project. Try, you know, so Shannon and I are getting like trying like I'm probably gonna like start an LLC for like tax purposes, but like maker woodworking mm-hmm. company. And We're pretty darn good. Actually. You are. You guys are. The stuff you make is awesome. Yeah. We'll see. Thank yeah, you. We'll see I, I mean, I like to think we're pretty darn good, but I'm saying we're pretty darn good because we've gotten a lot of people. Pretty darn good is a good company. Yeah. We're pretty, pretty darn good. Darn so, good. so on Insta- Instagram we'll is kind of the place where makers like network and stuff. So if you want to see it, gnarly burl. Yeah, that's our that's group. our that's Instagram. Our gnarly burl. Gnarly I think PDG burl. is better. Hmm? I think PDG is better. PDG. Pretty darn good. Probably well, taken, but yeah, Gnarly Burl actually wasn't taken. So, mm-hmm. um, they had this thing where there's this group on Instagram. They did this like logo swap thing. So I entered because I thought it'd just be another fun make thing posted on Instagram type stuff, and uh, got made the guy's logo. Did something really cool with it. Got some pretty cool feedback. So some, yeah, some. Have you read? Today? No, tonight? I haven't looked at it today. You've gotten a lot. What? Yeah. No, I'm blowing I mean, up. I'm going viral. Yeah. He's going to be an influencer. PDG, baby. Gnarly Burl's going viral. Gnarly Burl's going to be an influencer. Ooh, that'd be nice. Send us I shit. did notice that in his 
area, there was an Instagram thing that was counting as yeah, subscribers. And it went up it by does. one when we were there. Yeah. It actually went down by a bunch since yet, like oh, uh, really? since the last time I was there. It was like at 18191. It was definitely 18 twos, like last time I was there. So that's interesting. I didn't know it counted. Mm. And you know, bat, bots, yeah, bots. You know, yeah. But anyway, Gnarly Burl. Follow us on Instagram. That's gnarly Check with a G. Check out what we're doing. Yeah. Yes. Check out what we're doing, man. We're making shit. And it's pretty freaking awesome. There's like it's fun. There's like a half a person listening still. So probably. But you know what? Greg's listening. Who else listening? Who heard this other than Greg McGill? If you heard this. Oh, here comes the giveaway. Here we go. Oh boy. Gnarly Burl. Send us a message on Discord, private message no, no, on no, no on what? Instagram. On Instagram, yeah, we gotta grow. Gotta blow okay, yes. And then, go to Instagram, find gnarly burl, you're getting maybe and two then you can reference craft beer radio in the comments. Make sure it's craft beer radio. Craft <laughs> beer radio in the comments. Of Gnarly Burl. I don't care which video you comment on. It doesn't matter. Just reference Craft Beer Radio. Hashtag First, give me a pen. You will get one of my pens. Hashtag and give I'm me a pen. I'm telling you, it's going to be They're a cool pens. freaking You'll like awesome pen. pen. You'll like the pen. It's a really cool pen. So hashtag give me a pen. Yeah. Give me a pen. I already hashtag got a bowl from them. So give me a pen. I'm set. Gnarly Burl. G N A R. L Y space B U R L. Okay. No space. Gnarly Burl. Or none of the Gnarly. We're going to get something way different. Hashtag give me a pen. Give me a pen. What you like? Uh, what you have to ship out like forty pens, or like like well, yeah. this like this no, will be crowded. The first one who does it, that's oh. it. That's, oh, just, that's the only one. I, I will know. you win be Greg. the lottery? You're two pens to Greg. <laughs> you know, Greg McGill's gonna be the first person to do that. Well, because we'll Greg see. McGill's a, a, he's in a the future, great friend that, of ours, but he's in he's... the future. He lives in the future. That's how he does it. Uh, if you. Respond, and you happen to live in the United States, and you might be able to get to Pittsburgh sometime. Just like Greg McGill, you may be get, able to get on the show yourself, or we might take you to Barefoot Forge, and you can make your own you bottle opener you meet and meet. Craig. Think about how amazing that will be for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, I think that's a good show? point. Yeah, Good night, everybody. Good night, Craig. Craig. Hey, I lasted.